Watch out, cyber criminals about, but it's not so much your technology as your people who are your greatest risk. I'm Nigel Cassidy and this is the CIPD Podcast. Now you might be thinking this podcast about cyber security is probably one for the IT department or your security officer if you have one. Well, think again, because in 9 out of 10 cases where cyber criminals come knocking, it's the organisation's own workers who unwittingly open the door. So, given that HR isn't by tradition a cybersecurity guardian or a risk manager, how can it ensure that people take more care and maybe even spot or head off a financially devastating attack? With us, a trio of cybersecurity experts with a deep knowledge of this people risk and how to combat it. Tim Ward is co-founder of Think Cyber, a security and IT specialist. He applies behavioural theory to transform people's security awareness. Hello, Tim. Good morning. Tarquin Follis was a long-service senior diplomat focusing on national security policy. He's now vice chairman of the Security Awareness Special Interest Group, which is an industry thought leadership and networking forum. Hello, Tarquin. Good morning. And Shelby Flora is MD of Accenture Security with a clutch of Fortune 100 clients. She's driven by a keen interest in the intersection of humans and technology, hopefully mainly humans today. Hi, Shelby. Hello. I mean, threats to steal data or money or to bring an organisation down are just so many and varied, aren't they? I mean, it could be hacking your social media, getting passwords, phishing, sending bogus emails, asking for information, ransomware demands, you know, hijacking files, all this uh, thing I struggle to get my head around sometimes, distributed denial of service attacks, which flood your website and then try to extort money. Now, from what I've read, most incidents, I mean, the vast majority are human enabled i mean people are supposed to be your strongest asset it looks to me like they're your weakest link that's part of the problem that we talk about and i think tim will probably go into that in more detail but i mean that that is a, a an issue about the culture of organizations and how they look at their people so i don't think talking about people as their weakest link is probably the most positive way of looking at it uh, you have to look at how you can make people more resilient you know inevitably The crimes that are committed against uh, organizations are committed by human beings and they feel most comfortable targeting human beings. They are the easiest access point rather than trying to hack through technology, which is actually quite time consuming and expensive. Yeah, I think it's also interesting to kind of understand the history of the, the human attack surface. So you know, cybersecurity, you know, wasn't really uh, on the top of anyone's tongue, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but it very much is so now with, you know, the headline breaches um, that are all too frequent now. And oftentimes they have been attributed to some sort of human fallibility, whether it was malicious or negligent in intent. And we saw that number rise drastically, almost like an exponential curve um, through um, the last many years. However, it has been interesting to see that that number has slightly gone down in the last two or three. It peaked out about 90. When you look at the breach report or World Economic Forum analysis, it did uh, top out at you know near 90%, which is really um, worrisome. But it has slowly gone down. It was, you know, 87%, 85%. But that's still very disproportional to where um, investments are made in the, the cyber resilience of an organization. Less than 5% of budgets are actually spent on um, shoring up the human, the human firewall. So it is something to be very much aware of and paying attention to and figuring out the ways to, to, to shore it up for an organization. 
So, Tim, from your experience as a security practitioner, how would you assess sort of the state of security awareness, if you like, and uh, the importance of the culture of the organisation in whether it uh, it gets sorted? Yeah, I mean, culture's culture's fundamental to this, and I suppose that's where the, the HR um, side of this comes in. Um, I think our traditional approaches to tackle this have not been that effective because we've 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 thought of this as a as an education and a training issue, and I suppose initially it was because people really didn't know anything about this. Um, and so we've turned to e-learning as, as the sort of traditional solution. I think now generally people do understand some of the threats and e-learning once a year is obviously not quite keeping up with the fact that those threats are evolving constantly. And so we need to think of new things. And, and unfortunately the industry sort of landed upon quite a, a clever thing, which was to, to run these simulations and phishing simulations and to test people and, and essentially trick people, which created a really useful measure. And cybersecurity is quite hard to measure. And so it created this fantastic measure where you could tell your bosses that the click rate was this number and look, uh, all the controls we're now putting in and we're reducing that click rate. And unfortunately, that's got us into a little bit of a consequences culture where I think we're kind of almost using this to blame people and say, look, people are stupid. They're clicking on these links. Now, nine times out of 10, most of us come to work and our job involves clicking links. So if we every now and then get caught out by sometimes very sophisticated emails, then that's that's naturally going to happen. So I think it's worth stepping back and thinking about culture and where the whole organization has a part to play. And the important thing there, I think, is that everyone feels safe psychological safety they feel safe to report and to ask questions and to say look i don't understand this or i think i've made a mistake help and actually cybersecurity teams need that because the sooner you hear about a problem happening the more time you've got to try and do something about it well this is a very powerful point uh, shelby that tim is making because um i mean the reality is modern cyber criminals they've mastered all these psychological mm -hmm. techniques to manipulate us to perform a specific action i mean it is a bit much to just put it down to somebody's gullibility isn't it and i mean i've i've heard there are even corporations that have a zero tolerance policy you know one lapse breaking the security rules and you're out. So, I mean, you're not going to admit to anything, are you? You're just going to cover it up and hope hope it's all right. Yeah, I really do think this um, attack vector, you know, the, the human firewall or the human attack surface is due for a bit of a renaissance, as both Tarquin and Tim were alluding to. Sorry, no, a human firewall, this is mm -hmm. a thing. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's part of that flip in lexicon, but also sentiment is as well. Because um, when you think of organizational culture, you, you it always needs to match how the organization is wanting to position it itself within the, in the, the market. And as a lot of organizations have gone through this hyper digitization over the last decade, it is, it is part of the day-to-day. -day. And so when we're working with organizations, we also like to, to frame it as skill building, just as you would, you know, expect your leaders, you know, management above to have business acumen, you know, to make the, the, the sound decision for the business. Cyber acumen is quite frankly, the, the new business acumen and everyone has a role to play. Now this will vary, you know, executives uh, need to be making sure that um, uh, all the regulatory obligations uh, are met in this regard. And, you know, all the, the assurances are in place, but managers need to be savvy enough to ask the right questions of their teams when they're looking, you know, to bring new technology into the environment, as well as just the day-to-day -day awareness that the bad guys and gals are looking for a way to break in <laughs> to, to, to do the mischievous activities. And oftentimes, 
humans, when we're knocked out of human homeostasis, tend to, to be susceptible to that. So I think the reframe of human firewall and skillings, part of the, being a digital company, is really where we're going to get some momentum over the next several years. But of course, in spite of precautions, this happens mm-hmm. uh, to organizations when they don't expect it. Tarquin Follis, I know people in your forum may have come to you because of some kind of an incident. Can you just sort of talk a little bit about the repercussions for organizations, particularly the people issues that maybe people hadn't expected? I mean, there are obvious things you have to do, like shutting down servers and changing passwords and all that. But there's there's a lot, a lot of other issues that will suddenly arise. Well, uh, I was once asked by a journalist um, a question, which was, um, how should the IT function view cybersecurity? And I wrote back saying, if you're thinking about it just as the IT function, you've got a massive problem in your organization. This is something that impacts across the whole piece. And in fact, it's it's a very much a board issue. So when you talk about um, a, an attack taking place or a, an incident taking place, actually for a large number of organizations, they don't realize they've been attacked until quite a long way into the incident itself. And uh, if they're not prepared for it, if they haven't done the, the training, the exercising, et cetera, the play, we're running through playbooks, it can feel uh, an enormous pressure on them to, to respond. And that's when mistakes happen. So the impact upon an organization can be financial. It can be reputational. It depends on what, what has been taken. It actually depends on whether the organization can identify what's been taken or how it's been properly attacked and what further vulnerabilities exist. So it can be incredibly disruptive. And we tend to think of these incidents as taking place and being, you know, when we train and exercise, we do it over a, a day. The incidents themselves to resolve can take months to resolve. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they cannot be resolved at all. If we look at uh, solar winds, for example, we know there's a vulnerability in one of their software, but companies are still using that software because it's uh, ubiquitous and because they can't get rid of it. And Tim Ward, they can be unexpected when an organisation is using a third party provider, a managed service provider, somebody who's basically looking after the IT for them. This third party is hacked and they kind of feel that it's all out of their hands. I mean, they had a vulnerability they didn't even know about. Yeah, I mean, I think third party and supplier risk is is becoming a a very big topic in in cybersecurity at, at the moment because you you can work really hard to kind of secure everything that feels like it's in your control, but then obviously your suppliers are are not in your control. I think it was Target that that was probably one of the first ones that brought this to people's attention. So when they were hacked, it was actually an air conditioning company that was hacked, and uh, and so so yeah, those that that creates a massive risk for organizations and one that's quite hard to manage and I suppose that the starting point there is to try and flow down some of your approach to security into those organizations but that can get really difficult if you're talking about I don't very small micro organizations who are your suppliers because not only could there be lots of them but they're they're very small and they haven't got the same sort of money to have the same sort of protections that that you might have as a large large organization. Okay, so Shelby Flora, you go into an organisation, you start working with them. What's your starting point? Uh, again, particularly with uh, with HR and the people side of the business to get to grips with how they are currently responding to cyber threats and how they can change. One of the first things that when we're working with clients is we want to make sure that 
the value of investing in the human firewall is known. And so, yes, there's the avoidance of that, avoidance of a, of a breach and all the time and costs that, that that can incur. But there is research, including um, some uh, research that uh, World Economic Forum and Accenture recently performed that organizations that embed cybersecurity, not only with leaders, with the developer community, um, and have the culture of, of, of cyber being part of the day-to-day, actually outperform their peers. Uh, they add to the top line. So it's not just an avoidance of bad, it's a positioning of good. Yeah. Oftentimes where organizations have landed is they are just focusing on be smart, don't click on a phishing email versus how as a leader, whether you are a management of a developer community or, or manager um, of a, a customer channels, cyber and being aware of it, is actually in, in, in the best interest of, of the organization. So when we speak with our clients, we usually work them through uh, four different dimensions of, yes, there is these, the culture and the behaviors that you need to instill with an organization. You need to break it down by persona because what Joe Bloggs needs to do in finance is much different than, you know, manager Susan and, you know, the developers versus, you know, executive who's looking after, you know, a particular uh, particular business unit. So we work with them to understand what behaviors they're actually looking to change or they need to have within an organization. Then it's, it's about the skilling piece of it, which is, yes, you can launch, you know, nice looking e-learning for the, you know, the general workforce, but tailoring it to the needs of the particular group. So we have an, uh, an adult beverage brewing company that we are working with and they have the ambitions to be the most connected brewer in the world and they knew that they're on this digital transformation and they knew that cyber was a part of it so yes there was a workforce layer and we're trying to educate about you know don't put usb sticks in you know to airport slots and you know and you know be aware of you know spe- fishing and spear fishing but for the leaders it was Here's how you need to respond in the case of an incident. You are, you know, you are the captain of that ship. So it's working through the various dimensions and tailoring it per group and then doing behavioral changes approach to get there because just launching nice looking e-learning at them is highly ineffective and quite costly. I think bringing the the, the people side into this is, or the HR side of this is, is really important. So one of the conversations I have quite a lot with security practitioners is how can I do my job if the rest of the organization thinks that this is just an IT problem. Mm-hmm. And so when Shelby's going into an organization, if, if that disconnect exists, it can be really, really difficult to help the organization understand that this, is, this isn't just a mm-hmm. technical problem. Because at the end of the day, the assets that, that, that are at risk and the, and the problems that are going to happen are business problems. And those assets can be damaged, I don't know, by a flood or an earthquake. And all we're saying here is that they can be damaged by a technical issue happening and so the governance and the structures that the business puts around managing that should be sort of normal business structures if that makes sense and I think mm-hmm. that's why that there's a really important people angle to that of helping people understand culturally that that the culture needs to value security needs to mm-hmm. understand security there's quite a lot of debate in this kind of do you need to build a security culture and some people say, oh, you can't change the culture of the organization. It is what it is. And so a kind of a spin on that is to say, OK, well, that culture now needs to start to add on this valuing security. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what can be really effective is if you can tie valuing security into the overall mission of the business. Mm-hmm. And I think that can work well with some businesses because, so, for example, in the NHS, 
um, everyone cares about patients and patient safety and the outcomes for the patients, well, them losing their data or them um, not being able to get their operation because of a cyber attack, that's about the patient too. So if you can kind of pin the security mm -hmm. aspect to the culture and, and the main mission of the organization, then I think that helps everyone in the organization understand quite how important this is mm. and the part they've got to play in it as well. One of the big, big issues for most organizations is trying to get their head around what cyber is mm -hmm. uh, because it is virtual and nebulous. It's very difficult for people. I, I've dealt with some of the cleverest people I've come across and they really struggle to understand what this means. As Tim and um, Shelby have pointed out, you've got to put it in the business context. If you don't understand cyber in the context of business risk, then as an organization, you're going to really struggle. And that's probably the most important probably point to make in this podcast in many ways. Um, if organizations figure out these things and look at it from a business, business risk perspective and talk about, well, what does a cyber incident do to my ability to deliver my mission? then uh, that's probably quite a long way to uh, resolving the cultural issues about well, how an organisation deals with cyber. And of course, Tim Ward, uh, the big thing that's changed uh, everything is that so many more people are working at home, if not all the time, then some of the time, and uh, lots of platforms have emerged to try and accommodate that with, I expect you're going to tell me, a lot more risk. Well, I think what's interesting about that and what a lot of security awareness practitioners realise is that it, it needed us to start educating people on thinking about risk because we taught them about all these risks in a very specific manner because they were all based at, at work and suddenly they're at home and they they if people need to be equipped to think about risk because things like am i being overheard out the window i remember in the first lockdown it was really really hot and potentially people everyone was working from home you could be overheard out the window you could be overheard through a wall in, if you lived in a house with not very thick walls and if you're working in certain organizations that's a quite a significant security risk and so um if you've only trained people to think about very specific risks then then and not to think about just how do i evaluate this situation i'm in and think about risk but there's also quite a lot of psychological factors that come to play so we're all a bit more relaxed potentially uh, we haven't walked through the doors we haven't walked past a security guard we might not be professionally dressed we haven't got a lanyard on and so we're perhaps not thinking in a such a secure way we might be allowing our kids to use our device to go to certain pages so yeah it has created lots of other security risks and perhaps one of those risks is that slightly more relaxed attitude so you're not thinking in quite such a, a switched on way about about the threats out there yeah, I think also with remote working that I was obviously spurred on by by the pandemic is a little bit of a double-edged sword. So from the the technologists were like, oh my goodness, we have all these devices remoting into the network. You know, what are the the technology controls? But it actually was really beneficial from the education from a, a general cyber hygiene perspective. A lot of organizations started pushing out information and, and training on the the hygiene of making sure we're rebooting our computers on a regular basis where you would normally be forced to do that in the office coming in each day, making sure our routers are up to date and, and encrypted properly. And so I think it really brought it home of tying cyber hygiene into our personal lives as well, which then creates more of an attachment to of, this is just the way the world works and this is how we stay safe and secure i'm not only uh, work devices but personal devices there's these kind of like easy hygiene things that we can do so it was a little bit of a, a blessing and a, and a curse but i think fundamentally it helps contextualize it for for a lot of folks 
And another thing that was mentioned a bit earlier, Taku, was the question of uh, testing people out. Uh, this whole issue of either profiling people or worse, trying to entrap them in some way to test uh, how likely they are to respond to uh, a cyber attack. Well, I think there's an issue here, and I, I know uh, Tim and Shelby probably got really much greater depth of understanding on this, but I think there's an issue about what you're trying to do with, with your people. If you trick them, what kind of impact does that have upon them and their attitude towards the organisation? And does it actually help you to get the message across? Does it improve their ability to do the things they need to do? Does it actually make them want to be more secure? So I think when you're looking at this, um, you've got to look at about what's the kind of message you want to come across and what, how does it evolve your culture as an organisation? And profiling is actually quite a sensitive issue. I think one of the things I would say is that I don't think you should profile individuals. I think if you're looking at profiles, is what Shelby talked about earlier. It's about roles, because each role in an organisation contains probably greater or lesser vulnerability to an attack or opportunity to an attack. I mean, an attacker is going to be looking for particular avenues to get into organisations. And if a business is attuned to who are the most likely people to to face that threat, then they can provide tailored education and training and advice and information to help those individuals be more secure. I know, Shelby, you like to talk about attack surfaces, yeah. and we might think that's access points or you know the server or something like that, but that's people yes. too. Yeah, so if we think about you know attack surfaces, the bad guys and gals are clever. <laughs> the, they, they are in this for a reason. And so they are going to find the angles in. And so if we think about, you know, of recent, uh, you know, notes and, and uh, historical events with COVID, we saw a lot of social engineering that was pulling on uh, the anxieties and heartstrings of everything that was going on with, with the global pandemic. You know, they were using, you know, relief messaging or, uh, uh, you know, a sustainable option to try to trick people in, into getting in using their credentials and, and such. But it's also interesting what we see as executives are becoming more and more visible within the environment. And then honestly, with AI, it's going to make this so much easier. So we fully anticipate spear phishing to go up. And for those who aren't familiar with spear phishing, it's very targeted attempts of social engineering where folks are looking to be a bit devious by using references to something that's publicly available on social media or um, on, on the Internet to make you think that it is in fact a real person that is reaching out in need. And so bring this back to attack surface and understanding where your attack service is, is as you know, the HR function is working with the security function to know where they need to, to provide support and coaching and education and structures. It's knowing that the, it's not a flat attack surface. There'll be more parts of the organization that have more risk, your visible executives. Um, if you are an organization that is part of um, that is highly visible um, in, you know, an initiative. Likewise, you know, your engineering group is always going to be, you know, very, very targeted and that's visible on LinkedIn. And your people management. Exactly. HR. I mean, they've got all the employee records. Mm -hmm, exactly. So knowing that that the risk profile will, will vary throughout the organization, that's how then HR can help work with the security organization to tailor the, the structures or the training or the coaching or the leadership enablement to help them be aware of and know what to do in case that they do find themselves targeted. Yeah, I mean, going back to, to Tarquin's point about, um, about ethics and, uh, and testing, I think a lot of this comes down to 
to data. So mm-hmm. as, as a cybersecurity practitioner, you want to be able to show that you are improving the situation. And the ideal there is to show that you have changed behavior. So or you've you've reduced incidents. And obviously the behavior is the, the leading indicator. And so people leapt on phishing simulations as a number that says, look, I ran this test and 20% of my staff clicked on it. I've done some more work. I've trained them and now only 5% click. And that is so compelling because we like to measure things in business, don't we? And so it became a really good measure. But if you step back from it, you need to think about, well, what, what are you measuring? Because if you make that test really hard, your click rate will go really high again. And so it's not actually a, a particularly good measure. And obviously you're, 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 you're tricking people. So what some organizations are now thinking about is how do we gather other data in order to better understand behaviors? And this risks going a bit into profiling. And so the important thing, I suppose, is a cultural one is why are you doing this? You're doing this to understand your threat profile and you're doing this to make sure, as, as both Tarquin and Shelby said, you target that training and that education as effectively as possible. You're not doing it so you can say you keep making mistake, you're sacked. Because if you get into that world, then mm-hmm. um, you're, you're going to people are going to climb up and they're not going to share with you. They're not going to help you and they're not going to report things. Yeah. The big problem here is about uh, that old chestnut of compliance versus assurance. Mm-hmm. So a lot of organizations take on phishing uh, programs or uh, because they're required to by their customer. So that's not exactly changing behavior. It's it's complying. And the trouble with compliance is it's always a race to the bottom. It's about the most basic security requirements, but it doesn't necessarily mean that an organization is secure. So how we change that dynamic is quite important. This goes, I think, back to the whole point about how businesses operate. The other point I think I'd make is that if businesses put a lot of pressure on their people to achieve objectives or goals, etc., then you know, with the amount of, and the NHS is a classic example, and I don't think this is, the NHS is trying to do this, but doctors are under enormous pressure, nurses are under enormous pressure. They get lots of emails coming through. They've got to process those emails pretty quickly. And that really puts pressure on them when it comes to checking, well, is that the right link I should be clicking or not? And I think, I think Tim, you've got some data which talks about how people actually make decisions. And most of the decisions we make aren't rational are they no no absolutely yeah i mean and, and the bad guys play to that all the time and, and i think shelby alluded to earlier that the the fishing lures um will tend to be trying to play to our cognitive biases so they'll be using authority against us um reciprocity if they're trying to pretend to give you something so you give something back they'll be using social proof um <clears throat> all the kind of amazon voucher type fishing where they're trying to get you to go and buy Amazon vouchers and give you the codes, that's very much tends to be authority, so pretending to be the CEO. And because we're all in a rush, then most of the time we're relying on shortcuts. So we'll we'll look at a few pointers in an email, we'll say, oh, it's from the CEO, they've asked me to do something, I better do it. But also in that delivery focus situation, people will be cutting corners mm-hmm. and going around security controls. And so what's really important is if you have a really delivery focused organization that you highlight that that delivery has to be done securely too. And that matters to the organization as well. It's not delivery at all costs. And we've had conversations with some sort of government type stakeholders where they have a real strong delivery focus and that creates real security problems because everyone's just trying to get the job done no matter what. 
So the idea of, you know, getting tripped up. So the, if there's one thing we know about human behavior, they're consistently inconsistent. <laughs> and so I want to bring it back to the role of how an HR function can help with this. So I've actually was just speaking with a healthcare client back in the U.S. and they're, they're having this burnout culture that's happening within their IT function right now because, you know, the, the C-suite and, you know, the powers that be are wanting to push this national digital transformation and they aren't staffed up fully enough. And it's creating this burnout folks that are going out on medical leave and are working too long of hours. And that poses a cyber risk because when folks are stressed and tired, except that they're more likely to make innocent mistakes, which is a way in for, for the bad guys and gals. So as an HR function that is trying to enable leaders within the organization to make sure that the culture and the, you know, the balance of capacity is right, um, that is that's a key area in which they they can contribute into shoring up the human mm. firewall. Because I think you you were telling me, Tarquin, that often the chief security officer isn't on the board, but HR is. So they're in a good position here, if only people would listen. Absolutely. And, uh, and I, I also mentioned that um, an exercise I was involved in with a big organization, the head of HR, who was a woman, was making probably the most uh, pertinent comments about how they should be dealing with it. And she was being completely ignored. And I think um, it may be because she was a woman that she was being completely ignored. But it, I think I suspect it was all mainly because, well, she's HR. So what does she know about cyber? I think given HR's you know, critical role, their central role in dealing with people within the organisation, they also have a critical role to play in cyber. But of course, Tim, just playing devil's advocate for a minute, where HR might be unprepared, uh, things might be a bit different because people managers have to take a lot on board. I mean, we've heard throughout uh, this discussion, I mean, do most even know the part they're going to have to play in managing data disclosure, in dealing with breaches and dealing with the reputational harm and then there's all the stuff about enforcing data access and policing people who break the rules yeah it's an interesting one isn't it i mean i think people managers and, and hr need to um they don't need to be experts in cyber i don't think that's quite what what we're saying i think they need to understand the the people aspects of of that um which i would expect would be to standard people aspects so there's there's always going to be grieving possible um processes and disciplinary processes and and processes that deal with with stress and things like that i suppose they just need to understand that those those also have cyber implications or cyber might be causing some of those i suppose the most important takeaway from this is that hr professionals should should have an open door to cyber professionals and and vice versa because we we quite often have conversations with practitioners who there's a little bit of tension in that the security know that they need to get some communication and some training out and some education. And then they're having a little bit of a fight because potentially HR saying, well, look, we've got all this other training as well. So there's that kind of tension between the demands of, of cyber as a department or a function with all the other demands. And I think, I mean, certainly in, in what we try and do, we're, we're very focused on making some of the training and awareness as low impact on people's time as possible so keeping it tiny short and more ongoing so that you're 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 having less impact because certainly in, in, we keep talking about, about nhs but it, people there have have not really got the time to sit down and do an hour-long cyber course once a year and frankly there would be very little point because they would forget it almost instantly and so you need to think much harder about how do you spread that across the year how do you make it tiny little snippets how do you get it as close to the point of risk as pop possible so it's, it's taking that behavioral lens we've already talked about and applying that to how you help people day to day 
Okay, well, that's uh, Tim's tip of the day. Uh, as we sort of bring this to some kind of conclusion, uh, Shelby, Flora, sort of biggest lesson from your work with clients, um, how you move this forward. This can seem like an insurmountable problem. You know, human attack, surface, human file. Oh my goodness, that means the entire organization is fundamentally anchor it to anchor it to business risk and business value. So as I mentioned, there are going to be some obligatory regulatory education that has to occur um, to, to meet the standards of the industry sectors that organizations are operating in. But then take a very targeted and tailored approach to the areas um, of the organization that, that pose the mo most risk as well as value for, for, for cyber. So usually that's leaders, folks with an IT, folks, you know, it's in finance, accounts payable. There's a, often a lot of social engineering in terms of asking for uh, money to be wired to to all corners of the world. So focus on that and don't just focus on the training. Think about the structures you need to enable to make those folks, you know, help them make the right decisions. I think oftentimes we um, don't think about the behavioral science components, which is what are the structures we need to put in place to make it easier. I use a very classic example. A lot of organizations not only want to prevent phishing, but they want folks to report suspected phishing. So instead of forcing your organization to remember some random number, some random email box that they're supposed to forward it to, put the report phishing button, you know, in the in the email browser, um, so it's much easier. There's th these little behavioral science things that you can do to make it easier for for the organization to to make the right cyber decisions. Um, and HR will be thinking more like that, versus the cyber engineers. They want to outtech the problem always. <laughs> And HR can help them think about it a bit more dimensionally and how the structures within the organization can, can support that. Great. And maybe a final bit of advice from you, Tarquin Follis, maybe as a result of all the conversations you've had with people who have suffered from attacks but are maybe wiser now. So I think, um, I think first of all, we should remember that um, most people aren't security specialists. And, um, you know, when their function is to provide something else to the company. And now they're being asked to take this security function on. And to be honest, it's quite alien for most people. They don't have to deal with that. So I think that's one thing that people should, that those who are trying to implement a program should remember. We're here to facilitate rather than to impose further restrictions. Because as Shelby said, if further restrictions are imposed, people will find workaways around it. And the other bit, there's two things, I think, which I'd say, make whatever program you've got relevant to the people that you're mm -hmm. targeting, because mm -hmm. then they'll take those lessons on, they really will see the value of it. And the other thing, which I don't think we've, we've probably touched on is this just culture. I think you've got to develop a just culture, which means that when somebody does click on a link or does do something that they think they may have made a mistake, they can report it without feeling they're going to get absolutely clobbered by the management. Because in the end, with an incident, the quicker you know you've had a problem, the easier it is to resolve it, the less damage caused. The longer you wait or the longer it's delayed, the more damage it's going to cause. And cyber moves at a phenomenal pace. So just culture is, is actually a fairly critical, important part of all of this. Brilliant. Well, I'm off to change all my passwords straight away. Tarquin Follis, Vice Chairman of the Security Awareness Special Interest Group, Tim Ward, co-founder of Think Cyber, and Shelby Flora, MD of Accenture Security. A lot to consider. Thank you all very much. I'll leave you with a couple of quotes I came across. You may have heard them before. Security isn't something you buy, it's something you do. And the other is, there are only two types of organisations, those that have been hacked 
and those that don't know it yet. Uh, please go to the CIPD website to check out our excellent back catalogue that's on the CIP podcast page and subscribe so you don't miss an edition. We've had some very well received shows recently on AI, on pay transparency and some of the latest ideas in learning and development. But until next month, from me, Nigel Cassidy, it's goodbye. Thank you.